0: Every four computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Three two, one, zero, zero.
1: Hello and welcome to the best produced podcast in the entire universe without any issues ever. The Gadget Cast. My name is Gregory McFadden, joined always with my co-host, Travis MCP. Uh, Space travel.
0: Hey, something's going on. I don't know what's going on. All so right. for people who listen, are uh, listening to see. the
1: audio... Yeah. Okay, well, hold We're... on.
0: Hold on, Greg. So for people that listen to audio podcasts, they don't even know what's going on. Because mm-hmm. of course... We streamed the before cast and aftercast cast on YouTube live. If you're not here, you need to be here. And Greg was late now for the audio podcast listeners. There's no such thing as being late other than the fact that we don't upload until like a week after the, uh, the podcast is done. But I mean, like listening, you just press play. Right. But apparently you are a couple minutes late. So you said you had a story. Mm-hmm. So spin us a story, Greg.
1: Okay. Hey, uh, you know, in, in the early GadgetCast days, I wanted to make sure the, the show went pretty smoothly. So, I, you know, I'd show up about, I'd say at least 15 minutes early, maybe 30 minutes early sometimes, talk to Travis for a bit, go over the show. As GadgetCast has matured, uh, I've been like, you know, oh, I'll just show up like five minutes before. It was a big deal. I got things to do. I'm busy. Uh, well, uh, I think if you've watched my last video, which was uh, Mac Studio versus Mac Mini, um. You might have noticed that there's some B-roll shots of a a Mac Mini, unplugged. Now, I use my Mac Mini for my streaming setup to do GadgetCast. I got it hooked up to its own separate monitor. It's at its own separate station. Uh, It has all the GadgetCast things there for uh, what I need to do. And I may have left the Mac Mini in my new studio, and I may have just sat down at my desk five minutes before the show and started hitting the keyboard go, why is nothing? Why isn't it waking up from sleep? Why isn't it working? And I just look over. I go, "Oh, there's no computer here. Interesting." Uh, so I, I, you know, I am a man of many Macs, at least. So I do have a MacBook Pro, which I am able to hook up to the same station, mm. pretty, pretty cleanly. Mm. I just need a five minutes to do it. Uh, mm. But the big problem with that is, I guess I could have hooked it up to HDMI for my monitor, but I, I didn't. Maybe I should do that now. I just realized I could do that. This has an HDMI port, duh. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at a camera. Usually my camera is right above my monitor, so I can see. I can look. You know, I can make eye contact with the audience and also look at Travis. But now I gotta look down. Mm. I gotta look down here to see Travis and the chat and all that. So it'll be an interesting show. Mm.
0: Largely unaffects the audio listeners, but yeah, for the, audio the live it
1: doesn't matter. Uh, but if you're yeah. watching live, you're going to see a lot of this, this face.
0: <laughs> the look down face. Funny Hey.
1: So, yeah, that was my horror story. I sat down five minutes before a show. I was pressing my keyboard. It's funny how my brain didn't even make the connection of like, you disconnected this and took it to an entirely different location. <laughs> and were, I was just sitting here just going, why isn't it working? This this thing's <laughs> what's going on with this thing? And I just finally like look where it's supposed to be. And I'm going, oh, it's not here.
0: <laughs> it's not there. Which is important because a lot of people don't know that you recently got like a studio that you're starting to move into, which is cool. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big thing.
1: I haven't announced it on That's my channel thing. yet. I kind of like, do I do something? Do I say something? People are like, oh, it's you got to do a, setup. I'm like, yeah,
0: I do. It's a GadgetCast exclusive. Mm-hmm.
1: I think I'll announce it yeah. one day, but I want my studio to look a little cleaner before I start saying like, hey, check this out. Mm. Mm.
0: Um, yeah, well, okay. So uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: yeah, I was, I was uh, watching a little bit of the, uh, you know, I had the other, I had you just loaded up while I was like scrambling to get things together. And I was like, mm, mm. he's saying some things. He looks, <laughs> he looks like, uh, he looks like maybe I won't make it.
0: Well, the nice thing is, um, we actually, for those of you who don't know, we did, or if you didn't listen to the last episode, we did actually get to hang out this past week in, uh, Los Angeles Yeah, we, uh, we went back out to hang out with Jonathan Morrison for I mean, barely 24 hours. <clears throat> it was a very quick in and out type of um, thing. Yep. We got to see his Dolby Atmos setup. We got to see some incredible music being made. As you know, Jonathan Morrison's really into that sort of thing now. And I got to say, I was kind of into it while I was there as well. Um, what did you think about the experience? Again, it was a lot shorter this time. Um, we did get to hang. We very briefly got to say hi to Austin Evans. Um, but uh, I, I we mostly I hung out with Jonathan. Like what did you think? Yeah, it was very brief. Not it was very brief. Quick. Um, so, no. So... Um, yeah.
1: I wish we could have stayed longer obviously. Uh mm-hmm. but it was very quick. Uh that was definitely the fastest trip I've ever done where it's like you fly mm. in, you fly out the next day. It's like I spent more time on the plane than actually spending it there probably yeah. to be honest with you. Uh Darnier. so but I, I had a really good time uh watching all those guys make music and stuff like that was really kind of inspiring in a way. I like seeing them kind of mm-hmm. what term should I use? Uh Uh, vibe jam out i don't know it was a it was an interesting Mm. experience seeing like people that are that creative really into their craft and enjoying it and it's Mm. not something uh as like you know as like a youtuber who works by themselves it's not something you really see every day you're kind of like very secluded and working alone so to actually see people connect and get creative and bounce ideas off of each other in a completely different setting than i'm not used to music i have Zero musical talent or abilities, as, as you now know, Travis, <laughs> watching mm-hmm. me, uh, I can't even move correctly. So uh, seeing all that, seeing that put together, finding a new appreciation for music in a way because of that, because I'm not even used to seeing people record uh, live music and stuff like that. It was really cool. I loved it.
0: Yeah, he is doing some pretty incredible stuff. He's actually a really good producer because we would watch these guys who are obviously artists. They they know what they're doing. They can sing. They can produce and stuff. And then you would see Jonathan come in and say, try this. And then it would take the song to another level. And That kind of blew me away. Like I knew Jonathan loved music, mm -hmm. but that surprised me.
1: That was insane because you would listen to it the first time and you would go, Mm -hmm. oh, it's like, I would go, oh my God, it's so good. It's it's perfect. These guys are great. And then Jonathan's like, why don't you try this? And then you do like the implementation, and does it again. It's like, oh my, oh my, that's even better. That's so good. And then Jonathan's like, actually tweak it like this. And then like, there's like a couple (laughs) different revisions as you're going through all of it, and each time it gets better and better and better. And it's just like, wow, like the the fact that he's able to like just listen, pick up on things, know where certain things should go, and just seeing all that again, again, I'm have no music ability, talent, uh, seeing that being made a completely different art form was just an incredible experience.
0: Yeah. And we also came to find out that Jonathan Morrison's a
1: kind of a Greg's gadgets fan. He really likes you. Mm, I don't think so. I think it's no, it's, he you know, absolutely does. It's a little weird. Um, you know, I think he was like Greg's gadgets. This guy's <laughs> what's this guy doing here. He's got to get out of here. <laughs>
0: quick. This is literally the opposite of what happened. Uh, Jonathan loves, I think he just straight up loves Greg. I think he just really does kind of a funny thing. Um, but it's cool. I'm glad because, uh, I don't want to go there alone. (laughs) So I'm glad (laughs) Greg can come along and be welcomed more. So maybe even than me. So we had a good time. Um, it was kind of weird though, because like I said, the, the tail part of the first day, if you follow me on Twitter, um, my little dog, Nathan had a medical emergency and was in uh, the emergency room for like three days, so the day I was there and then of course that night I couldn't sleep the next day I was highly distracted by it I've I've, known, I've had Nathan for like 16, 17 years, something like that um, but then the day after I came home <clears throat> I was able to take him from the pet hospital he's been home uh, recovering he, he, he's a lot better he, I would say he's 90% back, which is great I love having him, I'm so very thankful that he's here and and happy, but it did distract me from the second half of the visit. But the nice thing about, well, so let's real, let's rewind a little bit. The reason that we went back is because Jonathan wanted us to be there to make up for the gadget cast episode. We talked about last episode, which is where we had an interview with Jonathan Morrison shot with like three different cameras or four different cameras or something, but the camera focused on Jonathan. Of course, the most important person was out of focus. So we. He, you know, obviously there's nothing he could do. So he brought us, he said, he wanted us to come back out so we could reshoot it. Irony. We did not shoot it. <laughs> one of the main reasons we were there. Not to, I... One thing, one thing about Jonathan is this, he's not very rushed to do anything. He gets stuff done, but the startup seems to be the hardest thing. So we were on the second day, supposed to start shooting at nine 30 so that I could shoot my new series, which I want to talk about. And then GadgetCast, so that you could leave, I think at one, right? You had to leave at one, 1 p.m. Yes. Pacific. <clears throat> well, we didn't get started at all until like 11.30 a.m., almost noon. <laughs> so we were a couple hours late on that. Um, and that's just kind of the thing it is. like it with, with artists. I think you just kind of come to expect that. I really believe Jonathan is an artist. So uh, time holds not the same meaning for him as it does for someone like me or you. Um, so you had to leave almost right after my series. So my new series that we shot, uh, I was able to hang out for a couple more hours, but then I almost missed my plane because I played too fast and loose with with time, which I never do. Literally within five minutes of missing my plane. And for me, as someone who's never missed a plane and who doesn't like flying in the first place, that was pretty terrifying. And everything that could go wrong on my way to the airport went wrong. So the timing was like, it was going to be tight. I was going to be about 10 minutes I think I would have been there maybe 10 minutes before boarding. What ended up happening is the, um, the Uber or the Lyft driver, it took, it said originally it was going to be there in seven minutes. It took him over 15 minutes to get there. Uh, I even got like a partial discount, which is kind of crazy. He picks me up. <clears throat> I tell him I'm kind of late for my flight he Says we're going to get there as fast as we can roll up the windows. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, Uh, Everything they possibly could go wrong on the highway did traffic backed up. We get to the intersection where you can almost see the airport, Ontario airport. And I kid you not a police chase with four cars goes to the intersection of the stoplight we are at and holds us back. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So we're within like boarding had already started at that point. I'm like, I'm literally three minutes from the airport. Even with this backup, I'll be fine. I get into Ontario. One of the reasons I fly in Ontario is because the last time I went, I literally, you walk in the security gates right there. Like it's a very small airport and you get right through. I literally got through security last time in about one minute from the door to the thing. I was like, oh, this is great. For whatever reason, everyone decided to go to that airport that day. Uh, the line was as long as any other line at any other airport I've ever been to, which was scary. And no lie, within three minutes of me getting there, knowing that my plane was already boarding, one of the only two checkers that was helping people through the thing went away, literally walked away and never was to come back again. So I was, I was positive. I was going to miss my plane. Got all, I've made it with, with less than five minutes to go and I'm back home. Happy about that. Greg. Well, you made it fine. You look like you were. Yeah, no,
1: uh, like every time I go to, <clears throat> every time I go to California, I'm always told like, oh, LAX, <laughs> that place awful mm. don't want to be at lax and i get it um i usually take nork airport out and like if you're leaving during like a rush in the morning it's like a madhouse in there and you're waiting online for like ever and like the whole thing is just like an awful process uh but i gotta say i think almost every time i've uh gone to lax it's been pretty okay like landing mm. i'm usually out pretty quickly and then on the mm. way back uh Honestly, I usually haven't had to wait too long. It's probably because I've left at like odd hours where most people aren't, you know, leaving for flights at like, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe. But I gotta say, mm-hmm. even I was shocked at how smooth my experience was because, you know, LAX—that's like a super international airport, busy. Tons mm-hmm. of people must be going in and out of that location all the time. I kid yeah. you not. I walked in there. I I looked. I'm like, where do I gotta go? Here. I looked at this guy just just in a booth sitting there, no line, and I'm like. Is this, is this where what? i go is this where i go yeah show me your id okay okay walk over to the bins there's a just a free spot there put put all my electronics and all my my shoes my belt and everything into the bin just goes through walk through the security done three minutes this was on a, on a this friday Yeah, this was on a friday that makes
0: no sense no sense yep. that no, makes no no, no sense. line
1: no no line just in in, in Never. and out on my flight i could i told travis i'm like i could have hung out easily for an extra 30 minutes if that's how smooth my experience was easily
0: yeah I, yeah I, I hate flying i hate the whole process but one thing that was kind of cool while we were there i got to see the Mac studio in person for the first time as well as the studio display and we got to see it kind of compete with some of the other 4k hdr displays and stuff like that that people are talking yes. about when they're comparing those two so we now have hands-on do you have yours craig i can't remember studio display yeah yes i do Okay. So, I mean, you've seen it in person and I got to see it in person. Now, finally, I am so far, the thing that shocks me the most about the studio display are the microphones. Now without giving away anything that Jonathan specifically is doing, we shot um, a video uh, that I'm, you know, working on and the quality of the microphones on the display was weirdly good. Like, Re- weirdly good, I, and I was shocked because you don't think that. First of all, how many monitors have microphones on them? I mean, very few. Yeah. Right. I mean, no, never. I have like four or five monitors here. None of them have microphones. Uh, I mean, Max do, but it, it's it's a weird thing that not only but it always sounds tinny or messed up or something. This thing sounded legit because after I was done shooting, I you know went back and listened to it. I'm like, what. Where, is that the mic that we use? Could we also use a shotgun mic or whatever. And no, it was the actual Mac. That thing's mic is really, really good. The speakers are actually pretty decent too. Um, the picture quality, which I think is what most people are trying to ding it on. It, it's great. It's really damn good. Um, and it's not to say, cause I don't, I'm not gonna buy one or anything, but if I was looking for a monitor, I would at least consider it. Um, I think for that price point though, I would, I would wait until Apple comes out with something a little better, but It's damn good for what what I saw was damn good. How has been your, what's your experience been like?
1: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the microphones. I kind of came away a little uh, mixed on the microphones, but I guess my opinions maybe come around to that they are good. I just thought, um, because this is like the same microphone system that's on the existing uh, MacBook Pro, and the MacBook Pro has excellent microphones, but I was doing kind of like a direct comparison between them, and what I found, at least how the way I was using my studio display, was that, the studio display was much farther away from my from my mouth than, say, like my laptop. So I kind of went, oh, well, the internal microphones kind of get a bit of a downgrade, even though they're the same exact ones. When you compare them against the uh, MacBook Pros, the MacBook Pro sounds a little bit better, but that's just based on proximity to voice. If you get, like, really mm-hmm. close, you kind of regain yeah. all that richness back into the display. So I kind of said, yeah. like, It's like, again, for a monitor's microphone. Yeah, like most monitors don't even have microphones and this thing's really good. Uh, But I said, like, depending on how far away your monitor actually is, maybe you lose some sound quality there. Uh, But based on everything we've seen, (laughs) again, I won't spoil anything, but like, yeah, those microphones are actually really good. And again, you have to put everything into context. It's a monitor microphone. It's not like a dedicated microphone. But the Mm -hmm. fact that you can actually like use that in a video and most people probably wouldn't even notice or care uh, just goes to show you like, okay, you're taking like a video call with these. You're you're golden. Like no one's going to be like, oh, your microphone sounds bad. Uh, What did you – did you get a chance to look at the webcam at all? Because that was like a big controversy like.
0: Yeah. So part of the footage that will be in that video that you were in, which we'll talk briefly about, is from – the, the webcam. Now, all the other videos I've seen, I wasn't impressed with, and I was kind of worried that it wouldn't look good, but it actually looked okay. It wasn't bad. Um, I, I still think this is the one part, and it's still confusing to me why Apple can't seem to nail this in a way that's like breathtaking. I feel like if anyone can do it just based on the software, it's not even about the hardware. You buy the highest quality lens you can for a, a you know, a whatever, and then everything else is software. The way the picture looks and just about everything nowadays is software, it's not really the hardware. Um, I'm kind of shocked that they, even though I was okay with it, which I didn't think I would be, but I was okay with it. um, Yeah, uh, it's fine. But you need to have good lighting.
1: Yes. And I think that's mostly true for all webcams at this point. You Mm -hmm. need some sort of good lighting because they're just fighting against physics with like these tiny little sensors. And they can't necessarily do all, they, they, they can't have like the same exact, I guess it would just be too much the monitor would be more money if they put an iPhone camera in it. You know, people would then be complaining like, well, I don't need a webcam that's that good. Why did you put that in there? I want something that's less money and le- less that. I, I think for this, the big mistake for Apple maybe is just that uh, the the technology for center stage is really cool. But when you put it on the studio display, and I think this is probably, I don't know what the right answer is because I think the technology of center stage on, and I think we said this when the iMacs came out, why isn't center stage on the iMac? That makes so much sense. I think the problem is though, when you actually put it in there with the 1080p feed and the fact that it has to crop in and then because a monitor is, again, farther away from you usually than your iPad. If you're if you're holding your iPad, it's, it's like this. With your monitor, It's it's like at arm's length at least. So think about that. The studio display, it's using the same exact center stage camera as the iPad. So when it crops in on you, it actually has to crop in farther than the iPad would because you're not holding an iPad like that. And if you ever look at the, if you have a center stage iPad or uh, this new studio display, if you disable Mm. center stage and just do like the full zoom out of the ultra wide, it is ridiculous ultra wide. It is crazy Mm. how wide that camera actually is. So when you're getting that much, when you're cropping in on a 1080p image, Yeah. on a 5K display, the imperfections of that are just going to be... They're going to be made apparent to you. No matter how much processing Apple does here, this is where that's going to quickly fall apart. And the fact that they are doing so much processing on the camera, the fact that it's cropping in so much, that's where you're really going to notice the noise on this. I think for this to be a truly great webcam with the center stage technology, they would have to give it a 4K sensor. It would have to be 4K for this to work properly. But as we kind of know with Apple's supply chain and their strategy I don't know I don't know if we should blame I I feel like this is classic Apple to just reuse parts to save money but I also don't know if there's like there's so many supply chain issues without being able to get proper parts to to the components they need so Mm -hmm. basically the camera system that they're using is exactly the same as what you would get on that like 329 iPad, because it has like the A13 chip. It has 64 gigabytes of storage. They basically just took whatever that was in that base model iPad and just plopped it into the studio display. So there's no customization there. there you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if they were to make this truly from the ground up to make it perfect, I feel like you would make it a 4K webcam. And I think a lot of those complaints go away.
0: Yeah. The, the, okay. So, for people who don't know, the camera, in order for center stage to work, has to be wide, uh, wide angle. Now, the problem with wide angle is it's the the way it's designed isn't so much for the detail in the macro. It's or the micro. It's more the macro. So, in other words, you're trying to get more image in rather than sharp image all around. You know, zooming in because it takes that image and crops it and moves it around so that it it imitates it moving and following you as you move. So it doesn't look like a widescreen shot normally, but when you move, it's literally just moving the pixels around to show where you are. Now, because of that, because it's zooming in, what Greg is basically saying is true, is the quality that's left isn't as great. And the problem is like widescreen lenses are, are not generally looking for sharpness or looking for you know how much you can fit in. So this may be a problem that lasts for a while unless of course they're just using one that's just way too wide. Like maybe you come down a little bit from the wide angle based on what you were saying. Um, yeah. but it Apple is, said, yeah, Apple said they're going to
1: fix this through software. That may be true. Um, but I just look at the image and it just, that's exactly what it looks like to me. It's like, okay, you're taking a 1080p feed, you're cropping in probably to maybe even mm. below like a 720 P image. And then if you're looking at this, you have, you're obviously using this on a studio display, that's 27 inches at 5K. Um, every every instinct that I have about this technology would tell me no matter what kind of thing they fix, maybe that is what you're saying. Like, hey, right now it's just cropping in too much. And maybe we, make, maybe we make the allowance a little bit wider for that. And that takes away some of the cropping, gives you a cleaner feed. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's the way to kind of fix it. But I feel like if they keep the same way they're cropping it now and they truly go for that like center stage feature... I feel like it's always going to have a lot of that noise. Maybe they can clean it up a little bit with more processing or maybe uh, some of the colors and some of the reviews looked weird. Like it it just didn't look correct, but uh, maybe they fix some of that fine tune it at the end of the day though. I wouldn't expect like a miracle. Like I wouldn't expect it to start looking like an iPhone camera. That's what I'm trying to tell people. Like they may do some things to fix it. I, I believe they'll do something to, I mean, I don't think they would just say that. And if they, if they didn't have something planned for this, they would never acknowledge it. That's Apple. They would never go, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong. It's fine.
0: Yeah. So after, during the, uh, I can actually show, you're going to have to jump on the YouTube channel to see what I'm about to show. I'm going to show a screenshot from the video that we shot. Um, and this is, so there you are, right? And there I am. I'm on the studio display. So I'm definitely not as sharp. Um, you're on a MacBook, right? You're on a MacBook? Yeah, MacBook Pro and then I'm not sure what Carlos was on, but you can see that there's a lot of macro blocking and just kind of like, it's just not as good quality. It looked fine on my screen, but the the stream out, you can see the difference between me and then you guys on a MacBook, which looked much better. Yeah. So you can actually see the difference. Now, hopefully it's a software thing like Apple is saying, but at the end of the day, it kind of not- is what it is for the moment and we'll try to see.
1: That was a really good example. I might even have you send that to me for, for a video I might do. But um, yeah, that's, that's a really fine. good example because you can even see the perspective of what we're using on the MacBook camera and where you're sitting. The framing mm. is almost exactly the same. It's almost exactly mm. the same width. And mm. the new MacBook Pros have a 1080p webcam. So they're able to use that full 1080p image while you technically it's 1080p, but it's cropping mm-hmm. in to get that same exact frame. So, Mm -hmm. and I think looking at your image, I think your suggestion of make it a little bit wider might actually be the trick or maybe give some, (laughs) Apple might not ever do this. Maybe give some settings into the allowance of how much you crop in on it. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. That's possible.
0: Uh, Oh, Carlos is actually in chat. He said he was using a MacBook Pro M1. Yeah. So his, his, his quality does look Similar to what you no guys. No spoilers,
1: were on, so. Carlos. No spoilers. Yeah, yeah. No car. Yeah. No spoilers,
0: there, no Carlos. No spoilers.
1: Not, don't don't do this. You
0: know, don't, don't forget. I'm holding something over your head. <laughs> yeah, that's why I do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yes. So um, uh, exciting times. Uh, I'm still I'm still mildly impressed with the monitor. I just the price tag. I think is what's bringing a lot of the 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 kind of uh, critical. Uh, the I think if this thing was a thousand dollars, people wouldn't have as much to say
1: about it. I mean, if this, yeah, yeah, but like, I, I like think. To, what? I mean, you I think, think maybe. No, I, think, like, I think at a thousand dollars, I don't. I don't see how there could. I don't see how there could be any controversy with this at a thousand dollars. I feel like that would just mm-hmm. be like, that would be like too good to be true. If this was thirteen hundred dollars, right. I think there would be. I think it'd be perfectly fine. I think there'd be no controversy. Um, I just think the fact that it's like sixteen hundred is the is the thing for a lot of people. Mm. And I get that. Like I, I acknowledge that in every video, this is not a cheap monitor. Like if you can't afford it, you're going to be like bitter because you probably want to use, if you're a Mac fan, you probably want to use like these Apple monitors because they work so well with Macs. And as someone who used, had to use third party monitors for a while because Apple didn't make an or a somewhat affordable monitor that, you know, $5,000 without the freaking stand. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I get that. I get like that can be like super frustrating and you're definitely going to look at it and go, this is still too expensive for me. I can't afford it.
0: Yeah. But I think... I, I, you... I, yeah.
1: It's almost like it's
0: a prosumer, almost... Yeah. Uh, like, who is this thing
1: for? I guess the real question is, who is it for, Greg? It's hard. I think... I really think... <laughs> This is going to this is such like a bad reviewer take, but it's like the truth. It's for anyone who feels comfortable spending that um, that amount of money and who mm. wanted this display. I did a video on it and some people are like, "You're biased." And I'm like, "I think I actually am biased in this case because I've been waiting for them to make this display for so long. That when they released it, even though I agree it's it's expensive, I kind of was just like but this is what I wanted. This is exactly what I wanted them to release, and it made mm. me happy that it's that it's an option.
0: Yeah. well,
1: Which there's lots biased, of options so. out there.
0: yeah, I mean it, it, but listen. I mean, to a certain degree, we're all biased about something when we watch mean th- I, th- I feel
1: like or- this was maybe more <coughs> biased than anything because mm. I feel like I've like even said in other videos like, if Apple just made a display that looked decent and used the mm-hmm. same technology as the LG Ultrafine 5K, I would buy mm. it. That's Ah, basically what they did with some improvements in the speaker department, the microphones and the camera, and it looks better. But And the screen's brighter, too. I I guess we can't, like, knock that. Like, it's 600 nits. And again, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about Jonathan, he's been putting out a lot of tweets going, like, can you show me, like, spec for spec, these PC monitors that exist out there that I know, like, we saw, again, we we spent some time looking at some pretty expensive displays at his... uh, At his studio, we saw the Pro Display XDR, we saw another PC monitor, and we saw the studio display, and when you looked at all of them side by side, did you walk away thinking the studio display doesn't look good? I I kind of came away going, wow, this holds up extremely well.
0: In in one instance, I thought it beat one of the other ones. Um,
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, to be honest, like, it's it's obviously a subjective thing because you might go, oh, I like this image because it's more contrast or I like this image because it looks more like this. But in no way was it like, ah, this just isn't as good. They're, they're just, that's just not one of the things that you could I, really yeah. say.
1: I, I want to move on, but uh, yeah. I wa- I'll sum yep. this up the best way I can because I feel like, yeah. again, I, I am, I have been biased towards this and I kind of feel like I know the argument from the other side. I feel like the window side of this, the people who are like really going like, why would you buy this display? Every time you ask them, like, what display would you recommend? It's always something that isn't necessarily what a Mac person would want. So you'll say, mm-hmm. is there any 5K displays that can hit the native resolution and scaling for Mac to make it, you know, what Apple calls retina where you won't see the pixels? And they will always link you, like... Uh, uh, like a 38-inch 4K ultra-wide display. And you're like, that's not exactly what I wanted. And then they'll go to the next talking point and go, well, this display has 144 hertz. And listen, higher refresh rate on display, it's cool and all that. I have it on my MacBook Pro. I gotta be honest with you, for a Mac, it's, it's a nice bonus. It's far from what I need on the display because you're not really gaming on Mac. And even if you are gaming, you're really not hitting those higher frame rates where 120 hertz is really going to matter. So I feel like for the Windows side of it, it's so focused around gaming that every monitor is catered towards gamers. There's some monitors out there that aren't. Uh, Gary was talking that he had like uh, Everyday Dad, friend of the show. He was talking about how he was using like an LG OLED display. And I think that's like a 60 hertz OLED $3,000 PC monitor. And he liked the studio display better than that so wow. a cheaper alternative to something that should be better and yeah. you it's it's weird i i know it's hard to like understand but some people don't need the specs that necessarily you want in this space for like a creative monitor where you want like the color accuracy the brightness all that stuff the extra refresh rate would be nice but it's not necessary like it is in windows where primarily the people who are buying these really expensive PCs are also gaming on them.
0: Yeah, definitely right. Uh, okay, what what else do we want to talk about? Oh, the iPhone subscription thing. I do want to real quick talk about that. Um, so what do you what do you take away? Uh, can you give us fill us in on what this exactly is because it just sounds like
1: okay. Um, it's, it yeah, it just sounds like um, the simplest way I can sum it up is it sounds like you would just buy a subscription to get an iPhone. Every year or other hardware, they kind of already have this. They have like an upgrade program where you basically pay Mm -hmm. monthly and every year you can swap out your iPhone if you want to. I kind of feel like they're already there, but maybe this is more of like a service thing where it would bundle in other services together or hardware services together. And the idea is basically instead of buying a thousand dollar phone or I don't know, this might even go to Max or whatever, uh, you would just pay a monthly fee. And
0: well, so, so here's the thing. So John Prost did a video today talking about it. And I think he mentioned that like, well, what happens if you stop paying? They take it from you. But that's not completely untrue for the other situation. If you stop paying for the phone that you haven't fully paid for, it's the same exact thing. So I don't know why this is any different. It's just, it's almost like, first of all, we don't know for sure that this is a thing, right? We just, it, it's a rumor or whatever, yeah. or a leak or something. Um, assuming that it is true, which I could actually see this to be true. So of all the like rumory things, this actually does make sense. So I could totally see them doing that. Um, and it makes sense for Apple in a lot of ways. Uh, it could make sense for consumers, but it's much like leasing a car is really as close as you can say to what this is. You never really own the thing, yeah, um, which is fine because a lot of people don't are still constantly paying their phone <clears> down anyway. Um, but you always get the newest thing if you want it. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know if they are going to, if you're leasing it or whatever, they're gonna like repair it if things go wrong. Like do you get free, apple care like i are they yeah
1: i imagine that would be part of the deal just because uh i think the current apple upgrade program i think it requires you to get like apple care because yeah let's let's face it like if you're using the like a lot of these phones are going to come back pretty dinged up so i i, yeah. I can't foresee them going like oh yeah you, you don't have to have apple care and if any little thing goes wrong with it you're you're out of luck or you have to pay for it i, I don't feel like that would be the right move anyway i feel like that would just be really controversial Um, and in terms of like value to the consumer, I think your analogy of the car lease is very accurate. Um, Mm. cars last an extremely long time. So if you buy a car, it can last, I don't know, nowadays, pretty easily 10 years, maybe, you know, maybe more depending on how you drive your car, all that stuff. Uh, so when you do a lease, you're usually like returning that in like three years. But if you, if you want a new car every three years, it makes sense to lease, but the smart thing financially would just to be to hold on to your car for as long as mm-hmm. it runs and you'll work, you'll, you'll be in a better uh, financial situation because you would have saved money. I imagine this iPhone upgrade program, if, if Apple wants this to work and it wants to be a good deal for customers, would probably be the same way. Phones nowadays, especially like these last generations of phones, I feel like these would have no problem going five plus years if you really just held onto your phone, you didn't need the latest and greatest thing. I feel like you could buy an iPhone today. I feel like you could easily get five years out of it. What this subscription service would be good for is is if you're watching this podcast and you're an enthusiast and you're like, I gotta get the latest iPhone every single year, I just have to have it. I have to have every single upgrade. And I feel like that's the situation where they could include enough incentives to make it work for them because it's also a guaranteed sale for them. So they maybe could lower yeah. the price in some way, offer some bonuses, maybe give you Apple One for free with it, Apple Care for free. They could lump in a bunch of things that if you're that type of person, you would go, well, why wouldn't why wouldn't I do this? Why wouldn't I do this? I don't keep my iPhone anyway. Yeah,
0: I need to understand the difference between this and the existing program they have because technically in the existing program, you haven't paid for the whole thing you're, you're constantly paying for it, so you don't own it either. So I don't know that this is any different. Um, they might add some different perks to it, or again, they might they might wrap it into Apple One, which that actually makes more sense. Um, it feels like they'd just be taking something they already have and then maybe converting it, upgrading, however you wanna call it, into this new thing. I think it's a pretty cool idea for those that wanna do that. Um, I think the, I know some people are saying, right to repair and all this stuff. I don't know that that even matters because depending on how they do the service, if they wrap in, um, you know, Apple repair, then you don't need to worry about right to repair. You just take it to the Apple store. Who cares? Like, you know, if it's part of the service, why wouldn't you use it? Like you using cheaper stuff. The right to repair thing is like, really, if we're being honest, right to repair is more about, let me repair it for cheaper. That's really what it comes down to. People go, no, it's about ownership. No, nah, shut up. If it was more expensive to repair it on your own, you 100% would not care about right to repair. 100% you wouldn't. So the reality is, it's about cost and price and not rightfully so. And if it's in some way covered by this, then right to repair is irrelevant. Um, but we don't know yet. Cause again, this is kind of hypothetical. I'm kind of up for it though. I, if they end up doing this, depending on the pricing and what the terms are and like, you know, can you upgrade every single year? Do you have to wait two years? Like what's the deal? Um, I might be up for trying it out. I don't know.
1: Would you Greg? Yeah. I. I guess theoretically I would uh, be interested in trying it out. I just I feel like um, with like subscription services, it d- it depends how they do it. I always feel like there's just like an extra like uh, hoop I have to go through. Where if I just buy my phone outright, it's usually like a little bit easier than worrying like, okay, I got to make sure I sign up for this thing over here, and I got to get it from Yeah, Apple. but then. I can't-
0: yeah, but then you're saying the money. I mean, like, listen, if you, know, you keep if Apple your old phone.
1: Hey, if Apple tells me, Greg, you don't have to wake up anymore, the phone's automatically pre ordered, it's going to yeah. be sent to your house. Yeah. All right, I'm yeah, signing yeah, up. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. If I have to, like, go through some hoops and be like, you got to check this box and this box, if, if anything takes that checkout process longer, I got to verify something. That's a no for me, at least.
0: Well, that's because we're tech tubers and that's you need to take Yeah, but no, I would yeah. definitely be
1: interested in uh, signing up because. Honestly, I already have Apple One. So if this is going to work out to save me money in any meaningful way or give me any benefits, then I definitely look into it. Um, I feel like a lot of people uh, were very happy when Microsoft did this with, like, their Xbox. They had, like, a subscription thing where you can get, like, a Series S or a Series X. It came with a uh, mm-hmm. Game Pass, and by the time you paid for it, you basically paid off your console and you got to keep it. So I wonder if that maybe might be, like, a similar approach where if you pay it off, you can just keep it. But again, I feel like Apple one's already like that. Maybe this is just expanding this type of program to more products. Like maybe you can do this with an iPad now or or a Mac. And then Mm -hmm. I I just, I just feel like that's really weird though. I'm like, are people going to be renting out Macs (laughs) or iPads? That that's the one that's a little strange to me. Like how far does this go? How far does this go? Is this, yeah, I don't know. Is this a test bed for when they do make an Apple car and they got their leasing program all worked out already?
0: I think here's the thing. There's something called um, monthly recurring uh, revenue, MRR yeah. very important to a lot of companies and to have something coming in monthly all the time is a good thing. Uh, so if they can get people to be on another subscription and shore that up in some way, it's another way to bring in money and, um, and the thing is, if more people can sign up for it because it's more affordable than just buying something outright or going through the carrier. And by the way, they Apple would be better off selling it directly than going through the carrier. And they've actually done the, with the software thing recently, where through I think T-Mobile and Verizon, you no longer have to do some type of check, <clears throat> I think credit check or something. So they're already trying to separate themselves from this kind of carrier part where you have to validate things. With the carrier they want you to be able to just go to the Apple Store, buy the thing. And they want to meet you at whatever financial way that they can. Do you need to do it on monthly payments? Can you do it all at once? Like, do you want some bundle stuff? they want to meet you there and they have the ability to do it. So if this is one of their, one of their tenants to, to try to get, you know, into other people's pockets, it's probably, it's probably going to work.
1: Yeah. And I I think, I think, uh, I just had like an epiphany where with the upgrade program, you can just keep. You can hold on to the phone and pay it off. You don't have <clears throat> to trade it in. Yeah. With this subscription service, maybe that's it. There, you can't keep the phone. It's a monthly payment. Mm. If you cancel it, they take the phone back. Well, and yeah, then, but
0: that's the same thing. But that's the same thing otherwise. If you pay for really $200 of an because iPhone. With
1: the, with the other one, it's almost like you're, how do you put it? It's almost like you're signing up for like a credit for the phone through a bank. It's, it's mm-hmm. like taking out like a loan in a way for a phone with kind of like no interest. So if you don't make the payments, I believe it's like getting like a late fee on your credit card. I don't think they come in and take your phone away or anything like that.
0: Well, they're going to get their money back. They're going to get their in money both back. Both ways. But I'm, I'm yeah. saying
1: with this subscription service, what it really sounds like is if, they, if I'm, I'm just trying to think how the subscription service would work. In a, in a way I want to know the actually upgrade program uh, it's like I'm gonna go to Apple I'm gonna look like, it up maybe because it's like a monthly thing where it's like you cancel the phone maybe you maybe you only need a Mac for a month or an iPhone for a month
0: well that's different and that's a different situation yeah where you can rent it for a month or two that's a different situation in which case it, I think it makes really more um more sense um but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Kaya's like, uh, you can't even keep the phone if you have it enough to pay it off. That's possible. Again, it depends on how they, how they put, how they work this out, uh, which means no more financing your iPhone through your care. I'm looking at the current, um, program that uh, Apple has, uh, we connect your new phone to your carry for you. So you don't have to make any changes, Blah blah blah. low monthly payments. You don't have to pay for your iPhone all at once. You can simply pay over time, the full cost of your iPhone and selected Apple coverage is spread out over 24 months with zero interest. You can upgrade once you've made 12, uh, payments. The question is, I'm going to look in the facts. What happens if you don't pay? Let me see. You go ahead and talk. Let me see if I can figure it out.
1: Well, I think as you're reading through this, I think it's just becoming clear to me. I just don't know the logistics of how hard it would be for Apple to... Let's just say it's like a Netflix service where it's like one month you want Netflix and you want to watch all the shows. And then the next month you go, I don't want Netflix anymore. There's nothing else to watch. And you can just cancel it. No problem. With the iPhone upgrade program, you can't just cancel the program after two months and go, I don't want this anymore. You're kind of stuck to paying that off. Whether that's like returning your phone within the next 12 months and making payments. Or if you, um, I I don't know, like make, I I, I don't know logistically how this would work. Like, would you have to like canceling like a, a Netflix subscription is so easy. If you have to cancel your phone subscription, you have to send the phone back. None of this makes sense to me, but I feel like that's the (coughs) way it would have to be is where you aren't tied to the contract of this 24 month period. You are just paying monthly. Yeah, it's very
0: hard there. I'm looking through the legalese and I don't even see where it tells you what happens if you don't pay most of the time that's somewhere in there. But I think it's because you're making payments according to the Apple card, which I think at that point you're now you're tied to Apple Card, does that does the upgrade program only work through Apple Card,
1: or no? No, you can get it, uh, I believe, through the other regular ways. Mm-hmm. Facts about joining:
0: What information is needed to apply? with my loan? What do my monthly payments cover? Your monthly payment of the full, of course. Apple Care. Can I exchange it? If you're okay, what is Citizens One? Ah, so they're going through Citizens One, which is a probably a banking or something like that. So basically, then you owe citizens one money, which means it's gonna be worse if you don't pay them because they're gonna go after your everything. It's not they're just gonna come after the phone, they're coming after extra stuff. Because a bank ain't gonna want your phone if you're not paying, they're gonna want money. So I think it's worse with the upgrade program if you don't pay than just having to return your phone. But again, Hard to say because we don't, this we're, we're comparing this against a program that we doesn't exist. So let's see what happens. We'll see. I like the idea from the outside looking in, but we'll see.
1: It's an interesting idea. I feel like it's definitely, uh, what Apple's kind of been saying for a while that they want to get more revenue from subscription services. And again, having that guaranteed monthly payment is a powerful thing because it's always recurring revenue. And investors really like that, that you're like, oh, you're guaranteed to get this much money every single month coming in, no matter what? Great. Um, And as these phone upgrades become kind of less and less exciting every year, if they can get people to still pay money every month, I feel like that's probably uh, the best way to keep growing that existing business rather than making a new thing. So just from a business point of view, Kind of a genius move. And I feel like Apple's one of the only people that would be able to kind of pull this off to get people to just pay a a monthly fee on their products.
0: I'll tell you what, if this thing doesn't hit my credit, I might just do this for a video. Buy it and then not pay the second month. So this is like the YouTuber's uh, subscription
1: service. Like, oh, I got to review the new Mac. Well, I'll just pay (laughs) 50 bucks and have it for a month and uh, do all my tests and that's it. I'll send it right back. Yeah, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so we'll see what happens Apple if this thing gets announced it for
1: all the products. I'm changing my tune. I'm I'm in. Yeah, let me let me pay a little bit. I don't need to keep uh, the uh, iPhone SE for more than two months, right? So, real quick,
0: as we're starting to wrap a little bit up, um, I want to talk to you about what else happened while we were in California, which was I started shooting the it's not going to be the first episode. It technically was the first episode I shot in the series. However, it will not be the first episode released um, of a new series I'm doing. And it, it marks, I think our first collab on either one of our channel, I believe. Is that right? Have we ever been on the other person's channel, like directly no, without just stealing like footage?
1: I think you're right.
0: This I think this is our first collab, which is kind of way overdue. I didn't even realize overdue.
1: that when we did it. I was like, Oh, I, guess
0: I didn't either until, I'm sitting, I'm sitting down and thinking about it and yeah, it's, it's the first time we've ever really collabed on anything now without giving anything away. Um, what, what did you think? This is a whole new type of experience that I'm trying to create. I'm curious as to what your real feedback is. I mean, you told me some stuff, but now we're on GadgetCast, and Now you can tell the truth.
1: What truth am I telling?
0: What your experience was? What do you think about the series? Like, what you, you know? What were your thoughts do going you in and coming give, out like, of it? Do
1: want to give a lot away? I'm like, i confused. I don't want
0: you to give anything specific away. I just want you to talk about your feelings about it, <laughs> your thoughts and feelings. I
1: thought it was, I thought it was a really uh, interesting series. I think the element that we did it in was, without giving too much away, I think it was the perfect scenario for something like that. I wonder how some of the other ways you're planning to do this in the future, I wonder just how, how that looks and how that dynamic works. I don't know if you reviewed any of the footage you've made yet mm-hmm. with, with a my bit. shoot, but um, it probably came out pretty good, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it looks great. Oh, by the way, people are reminding me, so you were in the Austin Evans video because you shot, but that's not the same thing. You said, hello, nah. and then you, you said, that that, those hard. don't count. Yep. Those don't count. Those don't count. count. Yeah. these this, this is different. This is different. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I think it was a good series. I liked being a part of it. I the, sh, the shoot we did flew by for me. So that, that's a sign that it was actually fun. So good. I think it was a good idea. I would definitely keep going with it and, uh, see what happens. See what
0: happens. Yeah. Well, so I did the second shoot yesterday with some other YouTubers and a, a, a similar thing happened, which I, it's not something I really had anticipated, But it's cool because I think everyone had the same kind of thing. There's a moment that happens at the end of the video where a decision is made. And there's a bit of like, (gasps) that same thing happened to the other people that are in the other video because they told me after the fact that they were worried. Can you, without, again, giving too much away, did you have a moment of like, I hope this doesn't go wrong? Like, do you know what I'm saying?
1: One hundred percent. Yes, I was uh, very scared, and I was like, "Ooh, oh no!" uh, uh, mm, I I don't want this to happen to this person. I don't know about this. I hope they make make the right choice. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Definitely. I I got. I was like, "Nerve." I didn't. I didn't want to see. I don't want to give anything away, but I didn't want to see someone disappointed. And I won't say if they were disappointed. But I didn't want to see that. <laughs> see it,
0: right? I'll be honest, now that this has happened twice and I have I'm shooting the third in the series on Tuesday. The first video will be released this coming up week. So if you're listening to the podcast and it's been released in a timely manner, you will get a chance to see it hopefully this week. Um, I actually know you guys got me scared now. Because of these first two times, I didn't even it never really crossed my mind. I didn't even think anything about it. But now this third one coming up on Tuesday, I'm actually nervous because I don't want to. Let anyone down, but that's actually part of the reason the series is so interesting. It's,
1: it's a risk, it's, uh, it's, it's a something game can go, show. you don't always win the game show. Yeah. I don't want to, you that's know, right. when you watch a game show, you don't want to see the person go up and they're about to win the million dollars and then they lose. That's not fun, right? Right, right, right.
0: You don't but want that.
1: That's why you watch, but it might you happen. Need to, you need to see,
0: <laughs> might happen. Excited, uh, excited to share it with you guys, uh, this week. All right, anything else, Greg, before we head out.
1: I think uh, I think the show's got on long enough. We can save some other topics for the next show. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll yeah. I mean, have anything yeah. to say.
0: Very true. Very true. Yes. Um. And yeah. Anyway, uh, if the subscription service comes out, I'll probably get it just because I'm curious. Oh, uh great. Uh, I guess I should mention for science. You will.
1: Oh, we might get ahead. to talk about uh, Apple's next event next show because oh, invites might go out for WWDC, which Travis uh, there's rumors that it's going to be. Apple's first in-person event since mm. the start of the pandemic. Quickly, this fe- do you yeah. think that's, if they do, if they, do you, number one, do you think they will do that? And do you think it's smart to do that?
0: I feel it's unnecessary. So are they, right now, so here's the thing. I think Apple stores now have re- released the this mask mandate. And, I think even in stores you don't have to,
1: right? Is that right? Right. Now, I will say real quick, just to, just to refresh your brain. WWDC is an event for developers to kind of network and learn new things with the new operating system. So it's not just a vanity event, like a lot of other Apple events where it's like, we want to show you the new products. This does have impacts on people's careers.
0: And you'll see like iOS and like that stuff. Like you'll see the new operating systems, but... I think it's, I think over the last two years, Apple has shown that those in-person events are unnecessary. It doesn't mean that they won't do them, but they're so good produced that you eliminate a lot of risks on stage. Um, You eliminate messing things up. You eliminate a lot of things that are unnecessary risks. And if I was Apple, that's what I would lean into. But, you know, there's also a bit of buzz when, um, creators are, and reporters are at one place talking about the thing and they're there and you're getting more footage and more, you know, uh, uh, publicity. I don't know if I was running Apple, I'd be like, ah, we don't need to do that anymore. Meh. Save money. Meh. Like I said, I feel um, like
1: WWDC, yeah. it's different because, uh, if you're a developer there and you're just starting out, this, this doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, even like a YouTuber press. If it's for mm-hmm. your career and it's like, oh, I want to learn some new techniques for mm-hmm. iOS 16, learn some new APIs or how to develop my app better. And, oh, look, I can actually talk in person to this Apple engineer or to this other person. Uh, very much like um, uh, creators going to like VidSummit. There's something yep. different about an in-person event. I've never been, but Travis tells me there's something different about going to an in-person event and networking with mm-hmm. all these people. For creators, we do that with collaborations, stuff like that. A lot of these developers, in a way, are kind of like creators, these app store developers. Mm -hmm. A lot of Mm -hmm. them are working on small teams, or maybe they're solo, working on an app for fun, or uh, maybe it's like a side business that pulls in some money that they can live on, not necessarily being like a huge business. But there are people like that in the development community. And with WWDC, um, I've kind of heard like two sides of the, the coin. I've heard for some people who could never make this event, That having it all online and having it all equal for the amount of developers that Apple has working on their systems has been great. And I've also heard other people say who do go to these events uh, that they miss the in-person networking for their careers. Mm. And for people that have already kind of established their career, they feel like younger developers might miss out on opportunities because they can't Mm. make those face-to-face connections. Gotcha. So it's it's a tricky thing to balance. But I will say, I, I, I don't know if Apple should necessarily take the risk this year, because even though things might be smooth sailing now, it's very hard to predict the future. And I feel like Apple, out of most companies, they have been very cautious throughout all this. When this first started, I knew this was going to be bad when Apple went, we're closing all of our stores. And I was like, whoa, I think we were like texting. It's funny. I think we were texting each other. And I went, weren't we like talking like there's like a rumor that Apple might be closing all their stores? Like it was just yeah, like a yeah. rumor at the time. We're like texting like they wouldn't close all their stores. They're going to lose so much money. Right. And then right. they did. And it's like, I kind of, I kind of judged that. I went, I think this thing is going to be very serious.
0: Yeah. 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 That was a big risk. Yeah. Um, one last thing. Kai actually says in the chat actually reminds me uh, that I actually tried universal control between my Mac, iMac and my iPad. Pretty cool. Um, I don't use it all the time, but uh, I might start using it more often. It seems pretty cool. It does make dragging and dropping between the two a little easier. I mean, it, I think it's still using AirDrop to do it, but um, yeah, it's kind of cool. I kind of uh, I kind of dig it. So hopefully uh, I'll use that more often. Are you using
1: it at all? Yeah, I, I did start using it. Um... The technology is really impressive to me. Yeah. I I almost can't believe it works. It's magic, Travis, as uh, we would say. It really is. It really is. Um, It's really cool that you can go from Mac to iPad. It's even more crazy to me in a way that you could, like, if you have the iPad keyboard, you could do the same thing right back to the Mac and and control it. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then it also works with multiple Macs, so you could, like, you could just have like your MacBook and then a desktop and then an iPad, and you could drag from one end all the way to the other end. And hmm. the fact that it works this smoothly is crazy going in between different operating systems like that. I don't know long term if that becomes something that redefines how I use all these products. But I will say that I'm, I'm happy this is there because I do feel like this allows these products to actually work together, where before it was always like, well, I gotta go get a separate thing for my iPad. The fact hmm. that you could, if I can make this decision now of like getting that keyboard in my current setup, because I, I primarily use my Mac a lot more than my iPad, I think maybe I would've just got a cover for my iPad and then just prop it up. And then anytime I wanted to use it as kind of like a second display, I already have the keyboard on my Mac. I, there's no need to have that second, secondary one.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to play around more with it. Maybe I'll have a little mini review here on GadgetCast next week. We'll see. Whoa. I know, right? Exclusive. All right, look, Can't let's get remember. out of here. Um, people in the live stream will stay on for another two minutes or so. Uh, but everyone else in audio land, we appreciate you, love you, and we hope to see you again next time. He's Greg. I'm Travis. This is GadgetCast.